and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Which is easier to get to, the moon or heaven? President Kennedy said we chose to go to the moon because it's hard, because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one we accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win. Lead teacher Randy Pope starts a new series entitled Parabolic Mirrors with the message The Story of Legitimacy, which covers Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. Thank you for joining us today. Our Father in heaven, the one who cares for us, the one that's capable of doing whatever you choose, we're going to invite you now. Would you speak to our hearts? Even as the way you have spoken to hearts in the last services, that uh, the response of people that have come to say, oh, I need more, I need further help in this vital area as we look at, looking at parabolic mirrors. We're thankful, Father, for the fact that your son came to this earth to redeem us as we've sung. But in doing so, he gave us great stories We thank you as we look at this story of legitimacy today that we have an opportunity now to make clear of our following and what that means, to have fruit in what that means. So speak to our hearts today. Teach us. We really want to learn, particularly those of us that are here saying, I want to understand the faith. May this put it together for many. May there be many, many, many that fall in love with you for the first time and many of us that fall more deeply in love, even because of this day. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, wouldn't it be interesting if there were some sort of spiritual supernatural device, like a camera, that you could take a picture of this gathering, and every person would show up in one of three colors. They would all relate to where we are spiritually. It'd be the true telltale from God. And if our picture came out with a green tint, then that would mean that we are true followers, and the day that we die, uh, we would meet our Lord saying, you come in, come into my heavens with me forever. There would be others that would perhaps show up in a red. A red would be, I'm not a believer. I know I'm not a believer. I don't follow. I make no pretense to do so. I may be here today investigating what it means in Christendom to believe in Jesus. I don't know, but I'm I'm here. I'm curious. But I know that I would show up in red. Now, the green and the red be no surprises. The surprise would be those that would show up in yellow. Yellow would be those that would assume they are a Christian but really are not would be those in Matthew 7 where Jesus says, many who come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons, perform many miracles in your name? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. They didn't lose the salvation, obviously. I never knew you. You're not mine. Those would be the yellow. And I wonder how many of us here would, would show up maybe in yellow. If any place needs This teaching of this parabolic mirror, it is the southeast United States, right? And aren't we all Christians? Of course we're Christians. 
There was a uh, gated community that I used to go to quite regularly a number of years ago. And uh, this was right after the Iraq war. And I had been invited with another man to go into Iraq about a week or two after Saddam had been captured. Some of you remember if you were in the church during that time. And, and uh, they gathered all the pastors from all of Iraq. It was an amazing thing, never been done before. And just for training while the door was open, just to train hard. And so I'd been away. Now, I'd been going through this gated community as a guest on a regular basis and would just befriend the gate guard. It was always the same gate guard when I would go through there. And so I'd stop and talk and chat for a minute. If no one was behind me, how are you doing? What's going on? And we just talked. And we weren't, we weren't by name friends by any stretch of the imagination, but we were friendly to one another. Now there had been a lapse of several weeks. I've been gone. And next time I come through, he says, where have you been? I haven't seen you lately. I said, well, actually, I've been in Iraq. He said, Iraq? What in the hell are you doing in Iraq? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, I was training pastors there from throughout Iraq. He looks at me and he says, oh, are you a reverend? I said, I am, but I'm not very. And he, he said, you're a, you're a preacher? Yeah. Oh, forgive me, forgive me. What all have I said? Oh, golly, I feel horrible. I should not have said some of those. I'm sure I've. I said, no, 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 no. You be you. I'll be me. We're good, okay? Don't, I don't want that. Okay, I pass on through. Next time I come through. Now, I know he can see me driving up. There's a. But. He walks out as if I'm not sure who's in the car, and he's singing nothing but the blood of Jesus. <laughs> nothing but the And then it's like, oh, hey, Reverend. <laughs> and he goes, I love that song, boy, I love that song. <laughs> now, I just wonder if I had my little device that doesn't exist and could take his picture, I wonder what I would find. There could be one of those who said, oh, I'm a Christian, love nothing but the blood of Jesus, but maybe not a real follower. And oh, by the way, when we start talking to this kind of subject matter, are we not judging people? We'll talk about that at the very conclusion. But this is a parable that Jesus taught. The parable is found in the 13th chapter of Matthew. You can turn with me now in your Bibles there if you have them. But in the seventh chapter, we have what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus had found himself sitting on a hillside. And as he's sitting there, he begins to teach the people. And as he does, he's obviously concerned that there are people that would have a snapshot of yellow where their picture to be taken and knew that through the generations to come, that would be a problem. It seemed to be he was burdened often about this subject matter. Who is legitimate and who is not? And he would teach and teach. And then the epistles come along. And the authors of the epistles, they began to pick up the same theme and kept saying, you got to know, you got to understand. John comes along and teaches First John the whole thing. How do you know if you're really a Christian? How do you really know? And he keeps using one constant theme, fruit, fruit, fruit. And 
Now, when we talk about fruit, you can talk about it generically just at large. It's a changed life. But it's the fruit that comes from that changed life. You can think about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All those things, those are fruit of the Spirit. But it's basically just changed life, evidence of a real follower. And he keeps saying, you shall know them by their fruit. In fact, do you know what precedes the very text that I'm about to read to you? is the story of Jesus as he's among a lot of people, amass a crowd, and he, he has somebody come and say, uh, teacher, there are those outside. One says she's your mother and your brothers, and they need to see you right now, apparently urgent. And he turns to them and says, who is my, my uh, mother and my brothers? And then he answers his own question. And he said, my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, are they not those who do the will of God, the will of my Father? Again, he's talking about the evidence of following. As you've heard me often say, when I'm meeting with people, trying to help them investigate the faith, I say, you know, one thing you need to learn about a follower, you know what the one condition to be a follower? And the answer is you have to follow. And how many people say, I'm a follower I just don't follow. Well, Jesus, that was a big issue for him. And what we don't want here is anybody from this place to meet our last hour on this earth and then to realize, oh, my snapshot showed yellow. We do not want that. There's not one ounce of me that is trying to shake anybody's faith. I hope you understand that. That's not where we're going at all. We just want to raise the bar to what Jesus talked about. And so I'm going to use this as a beginning parable. We'll look at a parable every week for six weeks. This one, often called the parable of the soils, I like to call it the story of legitimacy. Now, our text is in the 13th chapter of Matthew, but in the 7th chapter that precedes it, you don't have to turn there, just two verses. This is, this is, where, this is what follows after this issue of your who is my mother and brothers and sisters and so forth. This is what follows that. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. I'll say this, what does few mean? I don't know. I'll suggest fewer than what most people think. Oh, oh yeah, my, my son, oh, he's a Christian. He's a Christian. Oh, really? How do you know? Well, I remember when he became a Christian. It always has to do with events, events. I wonder how many people really are. So that's why he addresses this subject matter, and he makes it very, very clear. Now, here's the background to the text that we're going to be reading in Matthew 13. The people of that day... And that region, they understood what Jesus would be saying in this parable because they live there. You and I don't live there. So you and I have got to get a better handle on some of the things that are kind of undergirding what he's going to teach now. So he understood that at the end of the summer that there would be planting of wheat and barley. That was the, the normal produce there of the area. And so they would, they would plant their seeds. Now, 
They also knew that as they would plant the seeds, it was very typical for the, the farmer who's planting to be throwing out seed and birds to actually flock around behind and pick up some of that seed. They also understood the reality that there was a substratum of rock that would be about an inch or two beneath the surface of the, of the earth, the soil beneath it, just very, very shallow there would be this rock and how that rock would trap heat. They understood that. They understood that this particular land was unlike some of our more fertile properties that we're familiar with seeing the black, rich soil everywhere in the depth of it. Well, there were thorns all throughout this region, and it made it very difficult. They knew that. They understood that, that if you had a poor season, you maybe had 30-fold fruit. Maybe an average 60 in a, a bumper crop year, a hundredfold. That'd be fantastic. Now, having understood all of that, he now begins to teach. And what he's going to teach is this. Why is it, answers the question, why is it that so many people who know about the narrow way choose to stay on the broad way? Why do they do that? He's going to explain it. And in doing so, we're going to undermine the belief of probably three-quarters of us here who have been followers and Bible studiers for quite a while and who have always assumed that of these four soils, that the first one is not a true follower, the, last, the next two are not very good followers, but yet followers. They have life at least. The plants do come up. There is life. And then there's those that have fruit, the latter three being God's children. I will say with all of my belief and conviction, I think if you study these texts, you understand that is not what he's saying. He's really teaching us that the first three are not real followers, and only the last one is. So we want to understand some things here as we walk through it. Let's read the text, okay? It starts in the, in the third verse, kind of breaks it up here. Three through nine reads like this. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. And when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root... They withered away. Others fell among the thorns. The thorns came up, choked them out. Others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So let's look at these four different seed and what they represent, all right? So let's look at the first seed to begin with, and your outline reads like this. The first seed are those who have no understanding of spiritual things, having been blinded by the prince of this world. Prince of this world meaning the evil one. The, uh, the teaching comes from the first two verses, 18 and 19. It reads like this. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Now, when I use the term no understanding, well, there may be an awareness of the truth, 
but there's no heart understanding. There's no love relationship. There's no brokenness. There's no, it's just not there. These people are, for the most part, those that would say, "Uh uh-uh, not buying it, nonsense. These are the people that I meet with from time to time who say, Ray, I, I can't buy what you're saying. I don't get this thing, the Bible, being what you think it is. I don't get the idea that Jesus is who you think he is. I mean, maybe he is a great person, all that he's done, but he's not the only way to God. Man, you're way too narrow. I don't get it. They just don't. According to 2 Corinthians 4, it says that the evil one has blinded their minds so that they, they cannot understand. I mean, it's just the work of the evil one has got them, and that's the story here. And that's why he talks about the prince that comes and takes it away, blinds the minds and hearts of these people. Not real followers. So if we had a spirituality detection camera of some sort, it'd flash red very quickly. But probably not to the surprise of the one who's photographed. That one, no one seems to debate. Let's not spend any more time on it. Now we come to the next two seeds. This becomes the challenge of question. Real Christian or not? Let's look at the second seed. The second seed are those who have understood spiritual things but who have been derailed by the pressures of this world. Verses uh, 20 and 21. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Sounds like a Christian, doesn't it? Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. So here is this second seed, this second person. And here's the storyline. The summer heat is trapped in that substratum we talked about. And uh, then here comes the, uh, the, uh, the rains, and the rains come along, and because of the heat, this is wintertime, and it's not time yet for the seeds to germinate, but because of the heat coming out of that rock and the rain coming in the wintertime, it would cause the sprouts to come up prematurely. So here's a barren field with all these stray plants coming up, and that would be where the rock was and where the heat and capability of coming up. The problem is there was no root system. It wasn't deep enough, and so they would die off before there was fruit. The words of our Savior, you shall know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. There's no fruit. These were the people that we might have been referring to last weekend if you were here. We talked about the sword of repentance, the sword of obedience, these people realize, now wait, the, the Broadway, the, the, there was no repenting on the Broadway. There was no, I can't and I must now start or I, I must stop, I've got to start. There was none of that on the narrow way, but uh, on the Broadway, but on the narrow way, that stuff, oh my goodness, there's a sword. I don't think I want that sword. It cuts, it hurts, it's painful. I don't want that. And so they initially see, oh, I like, I like, I like, and then they realize what's on the road. They go, whoa, 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 I don't think I want on that road. And they stay on the Broadway. I had a, uh, a situation when I was in college. I was meeting with a, a, a student 
fellow student who was uh, a pre-med student, very bright, but very argumentative about the, the things of, of, of Christianity. And we met, we, I don't remember how we met, but we, we'd talk and talk, and he'd just argue against anything I could say, and I don't buy it, I don't agree, and so forth. And one day I said, hey, why don't you do me a favor? Come with me to a party that I'm having with a bunch of my Christian friends. And, and I thought, you know, exposure to God's Word is uh, important, but also exposure to God's people, and I'll, I'll throw him in a new world. This was a, a party guy. You know, he, he's used to his parties with all the alcohol he wants and all of this and that and the other. And I said, I want you to come to one of my parties. And so for some reason he agreed to do it. And uh, this is going to be about 200, 250 of us. We're going to be out on a, on a farm area there in Tuscaloosa, not uh, too far from campus. And it was just going to be a great, great afternoon on a Saturday. And so we drive out there and no sooner do we park than somebody comes up to me and says, Randy, got an emergency. You're going to have to leave, blah, blah, blah. And I had to leave. And here's my friend does not know one soul other than me. And I'm leaving here among all these Christians for a different kind of party. And I'm thinking, this is going to be disastrous. So I said, hey, man, I am so sorry. I'll be back whenever I can. Well, I didn't make it back till the very end when everybody was, was leaving. I pick him up and I say, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, oh, don't apologize. He said, this is the greatest afternoon I can remember. This was, this was more fun. It was fabulous. Man, I love these people. He went on and on. And I said, well, boy, well, let's keep talking about spiritual things. He said, oh, I need to. I'm, I'm one of you now. <laughs> I said, you're one of me. Well, uh, what do you mean? Oh, I joined up with your group. I'm going to be a part of y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm one of you now. I said, you just joined up? I mean, I... I, I so let's go up to your room. Let's talk about this a little bit. So I, I walked through the gospel. And I said, I want you to understand what this means, just so there's no uncertainty. You would have to be able to tell God three things. If you were truly going to be a follower, it would mean that, one, you're admitting that you're a sinner deserving to be separated from God for all eternity because of your sin. He said, I'm online with that one. Let's go. What next? I said, well, how about number two? Number two is you've got to believe that Jesus alone paid the penalty for your sin. You know, we've had this discussion. You can't. He said, well, I'm buying in now. I think he is. I'm okay with that. Really? Well, the third one's pretty tough because the third one is you've got to bend the knee before him and you, you find yourself wanting to follow him and that you're surrendering control of your life to him. He said, I'm there. I, well, I, what do you do? I said, well, you say you are, okay. So I said, would you like to have a little ceremony here and let's make that a, a commitment to the Lord and talk to him about it? Why don't you invite him to indwell your heart? And he says, okay. And so I said, you remember those three? Yeah. I said, would you just want to say those in your own words to him and I'll just be here with you when you do it? He said, okay, I'll do that. So he prayed and he said, Lord, I, I really, I'm going to admit I'm a sinner. I, I, I have to admit I am. I thought, wow, good. And he said, number two, he said, Lord, I, I really believe that you're the only way. Oh, man, he's made progress. That's great. And then there was a little pause, and he said, and Lord, now I'm going to invite you to come into my heart, and I want you to be my, I, I want you to, to be my Savior. Amen. And I heard that, and something didn't settle right. And I said, now, I don't want you to think it's a prayer, because it's not. It's not a prayer, you know, some kind of magical word system. That's not it. But just for your own good, would you repray that prayer? And would you just go to the third part of the prayer and just pray it? Invite him to be your Lord and Master, not just your Savior, that he would be the Master of your life, that you're going to follow him. 
He said, okay. And we bowed, and it seemed forever there was silence. Not one word comes out. Finally, I peep up and look at him, and he raises his head, looks at me, and he says, I can't pray that prayer. I said, really, why not? He said, I'd be lying to God. I'd be lying to myself. I'd be lying to you. I'm, I don't think I'm willing to do that. I said, well, good. We want to hold off then. You see, the truth of it is, it would have been very easy for him at that moment to have gotten up saying, green, green, green. I'm green all the way. Whereas he may have found out in eternity he was yellow. Very easy for that to happen. I watched it with my brother. My brother was no, I mean, I was a follower. God grabbed hold of my heart early, and it was just the opposite with him. No one would even think we were brothers. The way he lived, everything about him, it was just like nothing. And then in college, something happened, and he got kind of exposed to the same Christian group. And uh, he said, man, I want it. And for about three-quarters of a year, he was, I mean, head over heels. I'm going after it, man. And then came to a stop as quickly as it came to a start. He said, that's not for me. That's for you. That, that's, kind of, that's your stuff. It's not mine. But from that day forward, I'll tell you this, he would say, I'm okay, I'm a Christian. If you ask him, I know he'd say he was a Christian. He'd probably say, I, I handled that one in college. I got that covered in college. Guarantee you, yellow light. By the way, am I judging? I don't know. We'll talk about it. But there's the second seed, yellow all the way, Right? Let's look at the third seed. The third seed is there are those who have understood spiritual things but who have been enticed by the pleasures of this world. Let's look at verse 22. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choked the word and it became unfruitful. Now, at the springtime, you would look out and see these plants coming up all over the property, and it looked good. But at the same time, as the heat now is, is being absorbed, guess what else is coming up? And that is the thorns. And so, because of those thorns and where they were patchy, wherever they were, they would just eat up and choke out all of the real plants that were around them. He uses that to illustrate those that would not be legitimately followers because they would see that narrow way and say, I love that narrow way. Well, they love the destiny of the narrow way. But they don't get very far on it and realize, you mean I can't bring on to the narrow way this pleasure that God forbids? That I can't bring this behavior which God forbids? That I can't make wealth my life and everything about me? You mean I Oh, I don't know that I want the narrow way. It doesn't look so attractive after all. This would be what John was talking about in 1 John 2. Look at this with me. Beginning of verse 15, he says, Do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. You know what he says there? Those three things at the end in verse 16. The lust of the flesh, that is the desire to indulge. The lust of the eyes, the desire to possess. The boastful pride of life, 
the desire to impress. We all have our weakness, don't we? And this is the person that says, I have these desires, and I want them to be fulfilled. And I notice on the narrow road, it's not allowed. Don't think I want to go there. I've had the privilege through the years to work with a number of different athletes in different capacities. And many of them, on the, some of them on the professional level. And in doing so, I, two, two names came to mind as I thought about this. Both names you would even recognize. They're Hall of Famers in their respective sports. And I remember by their request and interest meeting and just going over the gospel and talking about it and so forth and the interest and the hunger and so forth. And I am absolutely convinced that both of them would say now, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I don't think so. Because I watched it didn't take very long before, boy, the pleasures of the world became so attractive to them that they were immersed back into a world that they had previously lived in. To me, they're back on the broad way, not really on the narrow way. Oh, yeah, but Randy, there's life. Didn't you not see there were, they came up, there was life. This is, keep this in mind, folks, this is a parable. It's basically having one overarching teaching, and the teaching is there must be fruit to show you're a real child of God. You've got to have fruit. I've said this and taught this here, but I'm going to say it for newcomers and a reminder to those that have been here. You can sincerely pray to receive Jesus and him not come into your life. We would think we are, but there's no trust. How do we know? The Lord says it through the teaching he gave and the apostles. They said, those who endure to the end shall be saved. Examine yourself to make sure you are of the household of faith. You shall know them by their fruit. It's over and over and over. Followers, follow. Oh, so you really got it together. If you're a real Christian, you don't really have... Oh, no, 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 no. I think the reality is... I think the reality is that you could actually be perceived by all around you as a non-Christian and really be a Christian. I can remember two people that I was meeting with at the same time. And both of them made professions of faith out of coming out of a deep, dark world. Both of them made a profession of faith. And within three to four months, they both seemed to have rejected what they were so excited about for a few months. I went to them both. One was living in ugly darkness. I mean, ugly darkness. And I go talk to him and challenge him about where he is. And I said, you realize, don't you, that you should not be considering yourself a real Christian based just on the way you live now. Thankfully, there's church, and God gave a church to evaluate hearts. But my evaluation, I said, you know, I wouldn't have confidence I was a Christian by the way you're living right now. And he looked at me, and he said, Randy, thank you for coming to me. Thank you for talking to me. I hate the way I'm living now. I, have, I, used, to not, I used to enjoy what I'm doing now, and, and now I hate it. There's something in me, and I say, no. And you know what? I looked at that, and I thought, hmm, I bet this is a real Christian. No one would know it by perhaps the way he's living right now, but oh, now, maybe there is a little fruit there that's showing its way. The other person I went to, not living near and dark a life, but he goes, you know what? I tried it. It didn't give me what I was wanting. I thought, I thought God would do more for me than he did for me when I accepted him. 
I gave him the same message I gave the other guy. And I was like, fine. Well, I'd be more confident that he's not the Christian, though perhaps not living the same darkness that this guy is. The question is, is there light? That's why he says, examine yourself, make sure you're the household of faith. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. People constantly ask me after I teach something like this, are, are, now you're saying that can you lose your salvation? Please hear this. No, you cannot lose your salvation. Once a child of God, always. Jesus said, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. So here's the second and third seed. I'd say yellow for both of them. They would think they were maybe, but eternity will learn they're not. Takes us to the fourth and final seed. The fourth seed, those who have understood and embraced spiritual things evidenced by the bearing of fruit. Again, fruit has changed life. 30, 60, 100-fold. You know, 30-fold is not good. Not a lot of fruit. The reality is it's, it's the proof of the pudding, though. There's, there's room for slow growth, but there's not room for no growth. There's the point. These would be green. God would say, you're there. I've watched two men that I had the privilege a year ago to lead to Christ, and they're in my, my journey group now. And I've been watching them, and I, I have to say, for the first months, I wondered. Because you never know. I said, I wonder if this is, wonder what kind of, of plant this is. What kind of soil is it? I know the plant. What's the soil? What's it like? I don't know. How do you know except for time? And then I watched two months go by, and then four months, and then six months, and eight months to a year. And now I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think this is legit as can be. You see fruit. So as I conclude, let me ask you this. What about Charles Templeton if you were here last week? The great name of the Christian faith who ends his life for years denying God, writing a book against God, that there is no God. What about him? Christian or no? I'd say he's not a Christian. Am I judging him by saying such? No. I am convinced that Matthew 7, 1 is the most well-known verse among non-religious people there is in all the Bible. It goes like this. Judge not that you be not judged, right? Isn't it amazing how they know? Oh, I know the Bible, preacher. Judge not that you be not judged. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you also know in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says he that is spiritual judges all things. Uh-oh. Got a problem there. Do you know those are two different words in the original language? The first word is judgment with intent to harm. It's a whole different word, but it's used though translated English in the English judge. Both of them are. But this one says you are condemning with the idea of hurting, bringing damnation upon them, trying to, no, 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 no. I don't ever want to do that. The other word talks about a wise discernment or judgment. And that we should do. And that's why Jesus would say, oh, by the way, check it out. You will know my people by their fruit. Oh, you're not judging. You're discerning. Will you always be right? Not necessarily. You could be wrong. Therefore, we leave it to others' hands to judge even should they be brought into the life of church in terms of membership of a church. You leave it in the hands of God to determine do they get membership into eternity. It's not your business. But you discern well because the way you discern 
will determine the way you pray for people, the way you talk to people. It'll be very important. My greatest hope is that there would be no one here who will leave this earth and would be surprised to find yellow. If you have any doubt to the point you need any help, the best way, you come, be exposed to God's truth, but find somebody to meet with you. And I've already done this this weekend with people say, I will have somebody that's just the appropriate person to get with you. People say, I'm, I'm yellow. People come, I'm yellow. Can you, can you help me with, with my issue? Sure can. I'll have just the right person that will meet with you and help you walk through it. So this one is the big one. Make sure you get it right. Now we can move on to other parables, but this is the beginning. Get on the narrow way, and guess what? You really won't regret it. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we want to make sure that all of us here are yours, and we know that it, it means going to the cross. As we go to the cross, we find that our sin is taken by you. The good news that we get your righteousness. Lord, you gave us your word when you said that it would be your righteousness given to us, that you who knew no sin would be made sin on our behalf, that we might know the righteousness of you in your son Jesus. And so, Lord, we want to know that righteousness now. And I think there would be people here that say, I think my heart's ready. I want, to, I want to right now clear it up. And we'd be telling you, I surrender my heart based on the truths that we've already talked about. My sin, you're the only Savior. I come and I say, you indwell my heart. I thank you for those of us that are Christians that really are yours but are struggling. Some of us even wondering whether we're truly Christians because there's not enough fruit to give enough evidence of convincing us. We pray that we might keep going to the cross, falling more and more in love with you for your work for us, that we might know you so well that fruit would come from your spirit indwelling us so strongly that we would have no doubts. And so the business that takes place from here, may it take us through eternity. And we thank you for this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia, with services Saturday night at 6 and Sunday morning at 9 and 1045. Please visit our website for more information at www.perimeter.org. Be sure to visit the media resources section to give us your feedback and find other messages from our teaching team.